This podcast is the third in a series that I, I'm doing where Jade is interviewing me. In this particular uh, one, we're going to be looking at the time of COVID and what that did for me as a pastor, as a person, as a friend, and just to unpack some of the lessons I learned in and through all of that. Welcome back to the Greater Things podcast. And we are sort of on this discovery pathway of discovering all the things that have shaped and formed Matt's life through the years. So today we thought we would kind of start with something that happened to all of us, which was in 2020 when COVID began. I think in America, maybe it was a little bit earlier than that, but I'm a bit fuzzy on the dates there. (laughs) (laughs) So when COVID happened, the world as we knew it completely shifted. And what did that look like for you, Matt? Uh, I I feel like, so for us, 2020, and I think around Easter time in 2020, we went into our first lockdown in COVID. And in Australia, often it was reported around the world how brutal our lockdowns were. And um, in other parts of Australia, they were harder than they were in Sydney. Uh, But effectively, for a time, we weren't allowed to meet at church. That caused a lot of people a lot of pain uh, around the world, a lot of church leaders, a lot of grief um, and a lot of stress because you went from... (laughs) gathering people to no longer being able to gather people and and once 2020 hit like we were in a space of church where we were shifting as well like we were really enjoying the place that prophetic mentoring had opened up for us as a community and really loved listening to the voice of god through multiple different forms and people and so it became a very much natural part of the way that we would meet, like we even created a service around the concept of the prophetic and, and releasing all the voices so that people would be able to feel sh- that they were free to go, hey, I've got a word from God, I just want to share it. And um, we call those services extra. <laughs> it's very, very original, very creative. Uh, call it, extra. it was just an extra service, but we use that word to say, hey, it's just we're going to spend time in music, we're going to spend time listening for God, and we're going to spend time sharing it, and effectively became a time to be creative as well. Once COVID happened, we couldn't do those sorts of things anymore. And so, again, we were given the invitation, I think, to be creative. For many churches, they went straight to the Facebook Live um, paradigm or YouTube Live paradigm where they would uh, record services or they would... um, do things in the very small communities of people that we were allowed to do, uh, as in you can have a couple of people playing an instrument and a couple of people singing and you could um, make that go live. And um, a lot of churches went into that that paradigm. Being a pastor, I can understand the stress and pressures of trying to run a community like that because as most churches do, we gain our income from people who gather with us. And... Um, it's way easier to gain that gathering when you're actually in person than it is if you're just watching a YouTube or a Facebook Live event happen. Because I don't know if you're like me, Jade, but sometimes with the Facebook Live stuff, I will engage for a little bit and then I'll disengage for a lot. <laughs> I will find something else to um, be doing while something is on the background. When you're in church and gathered with people, your attention is generally there 
inside the space and the room. And so for many pastors, uh, it became how do we serve our community? How do we engage with it? And I know at the time for us in Sydney, um, churches were looking at uh, welfare programs, food um, programs, helping to get places, people in in need, things that they needed. Um, Some churches opened up like food banks where people could come and and say, hey, if you can't get what you need, um, toilet paper became the scarest commodity on the planet here in Australia. And uh, <laughs> yes, uh, funny story, because at a church, we always have a good stock of toilet paper for all of the toilets in the church. And so we became like a Santa Claus of, I've got a four pack for you. <laughs> and we could drop off a four pack of uh, toilet rolls. Um, yes, uh, it's a, it's amazing how you can shift and change. But the big thing for me was this was an opportunity to take a big deep breath and understand something more of why I do church and why we did church. So we went to this thing called Church on the Couch, which was all done via Zoom. And we did a, a like a weekly gathering called a pit stop. And so people would come in and you were there, Jade, like it was part of that those early days, church on the couch. So we would have a room of 50 people on a Zoom and all sitting on their couches and we would be sitting in a place like a massive prophetic mentoring and going, hey, Jade, what's God saying to you today? And you would unmute, you would share. Um, some people I'd say, hey, what, what's your, what's God saying? And they go, I've got nothing. Um, other people would say, hey, I've got a vision. Um, people were drawing pictures And all of a sudden, I felt like God just illuminated my mind to go, this is the body of Christ being activated all over the world in a way that people can gather around the understanding of who I am. And so, again, it was one of those things like prophetic mentoring. I wish I could have said I planned for this, but it landed in my lap. The years of doing prophetic mentoring online through Zoom by that stage had given us a natural platform and we had developed great relationships with so many of the people we'd done prophetic mentoring with. So when they couldn't go to their churches, they all started coming to church on the couch or pit stop. Mm -hmm. And inside of that process, I felt myself asking that bigger question, like I said, God, how do we do this thing called church or why? I started realizing that my own style of trying to do church at the time was so shotgun approach, but it was done for the masses, not for the the person. It was trying to incorporate as many people as I could, preach messages that I felt were for the community, do things that I thought were going to be helpful in building and growing a church. COVID leveled the playing ground for so many of us to go, uh, okay, let's just think about why we do it, how we do it. Um, And it wasn't like I was dissing the church in doing that, but I was looking for people at the time who wanted to ask that big question too, because I was curious. I wanted to know. Like I didn't want to lose an opportunity where church had to change for a season if there was something in there for me to learn something for me to glean, something for me to grow. And I know COVID, I mean, it caused pain around the world. For many of us uh, who had COVID, if not nearly all of us who had COVID, we understood 
something of, of for me personally, the pain uh, of what COVID brought to my own body. Um, but inside of that, we saw COVID affect the world in ways and shapes and forms that brought so much uh, chaos, so much disruption. Some of the things I, I like seeing was how creation recovered. I remember seeing dolphins in Venice in on the news and say they haven't seen these in 80 years or something like that. Or people in India saying we can actually see the Himalayas, which we've never seen in our entire life because of the pollution that was there. And these moments of watching creation recover, that was extraordinary for me to watch that. But for me, in the place of church, something formative occurred. And I started processing it and answering the question of why. So if I tell people that we are a worshipping church and then tell them as well that, that we are an intimate personal family church, they come and they go, we get the worship, but we're not getting the intimacy, or we get the intimacy, but we're not getting the worship. I realized I was using language that was for the masses rather than for the few. And I found myself going, well, how how do I want to do this thing called church or the gathering, the way we gather people together? Is this the best way of doing it? Well, it's the only way that we've pretty much been given for many generations. I think ever, ever since Constantine was emperor, when he decided that Christianity was going to be the religion of choice, um, it all came from houses and homes and dinner tables into places of classrooms and big buildings and one person standing at the front. I found for myself this was a moment to go, we could do something a little different and let's just see where this goes. And so through the two years of COVID, in Australia we had, um, it would be uh, shut down for a few months and open up and shut down and open up and shut down. In 2021, it, we were doing that so much, it felt like <laughs> we're nearly dancing up, down, up, down, up, down, that we decided actually we're just going to keep it closed until there is a huge distance in front of us where we're not going to be doing this thing. Learned a lot of lessons in those two years. I learned a lot about what people thought church was, what I thought church was. I learned a lot about um, what's the non-negotiable part for people in what church is. And some people would clearly say to me that Zoom church, church on the couch, is not church. But a strange thing happened in that for me. I started realising that I was learning and understanding more and more of the individuals than I could possibly imagine, that I could not get from a Sunday morning, an hour and a half on a Sunday. The people who would turn up maybe once or twice a month. Now, because people couldn't go anywhere, I was seeing them regularly. I was listening to their voice and hearing what God is saying to them. I was hearing it flow through their story. And I was learning about presence, about people, about who, about identity, about God, in ways that no experience that I've ever had in church had given to me before. And again, this is not dissing church. This is about discovering something that I didn't even dream possible. And so as COVID was drawing to, towards an end, 
And Trish and I had a very big decision to make as to what does this look like for us going further forward. And there was a part of me, a very big part of me, which is like, I don't want to go back and do church the way that I've done before. There's too much expectation on pastors and people in ministry and leadership. And running a church these days, it's not like a generation ago where you could do your finances in a notepad (laughs) or you didn't even know what a thing called work health and safety was. You just tried to make the place as safe as you could. Um, Child protection policies uh, a generation ago were minuscule compared to what they are today, and they should be that today, particularly when you've got children involved in communities. The responsibility is what all of that brought onto a pastor's shoulder who was trained in theology, not in mental health, not in work health and safety, not in um, business programs or, or running business, for me, became um, an anchor around my neck. For some pastors, they can do all of that really well, and I'm very thankful for them and very happy for them. But I found for myself I was doing more management than I was pastoring. And when I was pastoring, because I was doing so much management, I just had less and less to be actually able to give. So COVID meant that I didn't have to be at church at 6 a.m. to get ready for a service and I didn't I wasn't getting home at 10 p.m. after the end of a, end of a service. Uh, COVID, COVID gave to me an opportunity to have, spend time with my family in the morning and have coffee with my wife and to sit in a space of relationship and connection uh, and then 5 minutes before the service is starting I'm I log on to say okay let's just jump in and see where where we go with this and when we finish I can go and have another coffee with family again in that place of relationship. I discovered a new rhythm, a new way of doing things, a new way of relationship, a new way of even creating boundaries as well. Because on Zoom, it's it's easy to just say, okay, I'm actually done. I'll see you next time. And we're out. We're done. We're finished. Boundaries became a, a, a much safer thing for me. Um, and the way of doing church became way more visible for me. So church on the couch for many people became life-saving for them in ways of community, but then it became life-empowering in ways of using their voice. It's in those spaces, Jaden, you've seen how we value the children, which in days of church, we would have put them into kids' church. They would not have been in the service. And as you know, there's a phrase that I use now that if we are designing services that don't include our children, then we're offering the wrong service. We have seen the power of the prophetic that flow through our children's voices, through their creativity. We've seen creativity in the adults, the mums and dads, the people of the community that are there. You have done the same thing. seeing you jump on a potter's wheel uh, in the middle of one of our, our times together. It was one of the highlights of uh, my mind in, as we think about the way that we've gathered. These are the expressions of gathering that have continued to fuel this space of a new, for me, that is not going back to old ways and old methods, but is allowing now for the person that we come to be seen and present. We're not sitting in a row where we're singing to the back of somebody's head. We're actually sitting now like on Zoom, like even the way that you and I are sitting right now, um, probably closer than we would if we were standing having a cup of coffee after a church service. 
And we're actually able to see each other and pick up the cues of each other and have the time to listen to each other. These are the things that that two-year period of COVID opened my mind to understand. Yeah, That's a wow. long answer to a, a short question. <laughs> well, I think some of the arguments that come up from not gathering in a physical location are from their often argued from a standpoint of the biblical where it says, do not neglect your gathering. And essentially what you're saying is gathering became a more intimate expression of what the possibility of church could be. Because you're inviting someone into your home. This is my living room. You know, this is, I've been, I've invited you into my space so one of the things that I don't think I've shared with you yet was the study that I found that these neurologists did about brain activity and specifically measuring connection in two two different groups, ones that meet in person and people that meet online. Now, the researchers were looking at, at how this works in a workforce environment, not not a church, but I think it is applicable. They actually found that different parts of the brain and different connection patterns, they were two different distinct ways that the brains were actually lighting up. And what they found was that although it was different, it was no less strong. So the connections were different. There Mm. is a difference, but they were no less important in how the brain was actually interpreting connection. Mm. Um, So I just really thought that was interesting because I think it highlights what you have tapped into. Yeah. Would you ever go back? (laughs) I go back to visit, but not to stay. I'm very happy for expressions of gathering to be in a billion different ways. But for me personally, I have gained more in these last few years in friendship and relationship that I've had in 20 years of being a pastor. It's very tricky to be pastor and friend in a community of people. It's very tricky because you are looking for people to help do the activities and things of church. And often the place of relationship gets sacrificed when decisions get made that affect people in adverse ways in those sorts of places of community. So no, I would not go back, not to lead or build a community like like that again. And again, there are plenty of people who want to do that, and that's fine. But for me, the gathering of church has not ceased. And I agree with you, the verse you, you pull out from Hebrews about don't neglect meeting together is a very valuable one, and community is necessary for humanity. It's not just for church, it's for humanity. I love those sorts of studies that that you've just listed and spoke about, and I'm very curious about those sorts of ways that it affects our our body, mind, soul, and spirit, um, and intrigued by uh, the the results that come from that, because so many people speak to me about Zoom fatigue, and and that's true. And from a business point of view, I fully agree with it. From a relational point of view, if the relationship is healthy, like who wouldn't be in the space of wanting to grow, learn, listen, and understand? I often uh, joke with people by saying, you know, back in the 90s, if people were on dating apps, we would have just looked at them sideways to go, you sure that's legit? 
but now it's actually very normal. Now we're saying the same thing about churches, that online churches, online communities, are they really church? No, they can't be. Well, like I said, you can only judge it by the relationship and connections that you you have in the environments that you are. And if you're willing to be open-minded to go, what what could this look like? Then you will discover more than you understand than you currently have. So those sorts of studies, Jade, like I said, they intrigue me. And I love to listen to them because that's our design. That's the way God has made us uh, to exist in these places of understanding what community looks like. We all look for love, to to be loved and to love. In COVID, where you couldn't come into church environments, people look for other opportunities. Um, for me, like I said, Facebook Live is not a version of relationship. It's a version of interaction where I can observe and watch, but it's not a way where I can connect with uh, unless I'm using the chat. And again, that's one way and people might be okay with that. But for me, I think what I found, it's like um, discovering a really great steak restaurant and then choosing to continue to go back to one that cooks steak poorly. Um, again, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm enjoying what you're doing also. <laughs> well, and I think that's part of the wonder too, Jade, because like, when people come into the community now, we get to hear them and see them. We get to know them. When you go into a church at times, uh, well, like most men in Australia, if you first time you meet, who are you and what do you do are the natural conversations. And for a pastor, that's all the gold that you need at times to go, wow, <clears throat> Jade's been led here by by God to do our kids' church ministry. And all of a sudden, Jade's like, what? <laughs> I just came to, to hear <laughs> and to see. Um, and so for me, changing the paradigm, and that's – it's effectively what it did. So as a pastor, and here's a like pastor secret, as I've just shared, is people come into your church and you go, I wonder why God's brought them here. And that's something I would have said many times and it's something that you've probably heard when you've gone to a church or whatever it is. Now when people join our community, it's not about what they can do. Yeah. It's about who they are. Like we, we don't need them to do anything. <laughs> there is no roles. There's no different ministries. It's just about being present and about being personal. Like the other day, Jade, one of the people in our community is going for a job and she said, can I use you as a referee? The referee calls me and says, can you tell me how this person is actually um, serving inside of your community? And I'm like, oh, kind of, we don't do it that way. Serving in community for us means being present and interacting and sharing who we are. And that person was intrigued by me saying that because they were expecting me to go, she runs a Bible study or she runs the kids' church or she does this or she does that. When there is no roles inside of a community like that, we can just be present with people. That one revelation, Jade, that has blown my mind in the place of connection for me as the leader of a community. I'm not mm -hmm. looking for what you can do. I'm just in the joy of discovering who you are. That's really brilliant. I think this is a good place to maybe put a pause in this conversation. <laughs> and we will continue on next time with more revelations from Matt and discovering a bit more about greater things and about God. 
Thanks for joining us. Um, we will see you again. Bye for now. Bye for now. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or go to our website, greaterthingsinternational.com.